0: Chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. If I asked you to use the word holy in a sentence, let's go back to that word holy. If I asked you to use the word holy in a sentence, what would you say? What would you say if I asked you to use holy? What would you say? Holy what? Holy? Holy what? Holy Spirit? Holy cow? <laughs> holy Bible, Book divide? Holy smoke? I heard holy smoke out there. Well, what about holy you and holy me? Holy the Lord. What about holy you and holy me? Do you ever think of yourself as holy? Well, you know, in our vernacular, we, we don't like to uh, use the word holy for other people. We, uh, if we do, we're using it in a negative sense. Like we might call somebody a holy Joe, or if somebody's uh, kind of uppity, we might say they're holier than thou. And we, we might say, you know, so and so is a, a good guy. He, he's, we might even say somebody is godly. But we don't often use that word holy to describe other people, and certainly not ourselves. But the fact is that the Bible uses the word holy to refer to those of us who are Christians, who are believers in Jesus Christ. Those of us who are followers of Jesus are told not only that we should be holy, but that we are holy. Now look at 1 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, Peter calls us uh, obedient children. Now that doesn't mean he's just talking to those who are 18 and under. Uh, he's, he's speaking of us as children, children of God. Uh, because we are Birth by God. If you look back at verse 3 of that chapter, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So if God has birthed us and He's got an inheritance waiting for us, then we must be His children. So Peter, here in verse 14, calls us obedient Children, because we are God's children. So, not just children, but obedient children. Now, I think that's kind of what you call positive reinforcement, isn't it? Obedient children. I don't know whether the people to whom he was writing were obedient children or just ought to be obedient children, but he goes ahead and throws it out there obedient children as obedient children because that's the way they ought to be acting. And what does Peter say to those obedient children, the ones to whom he was writing, and also those of us here today who are reading this in God's Word? What does he say? He says, he tells us not to conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, that song we sang a few minutes ago about out of darkness and into light. And Peter is saying... No longer should you conform to those evil desires that you had when you were in the darkness because now you're in the light. When you are in ignorance, you had those evil desires, but now you ought not to be conformed to that. So Peter's drawing a contrast here. He, he, at one time, we lived in ignorance, but now we know God. At, at, at one time, we didn't have anything to do with God, but now we're part of His family. At one time, we had all these evil desires and we just yielded to them all the time. That's just the way we did life. But now he's saying that ought not to be the case. There ought to be a difference. So his point is there ought to be a difference before you become a Christian and after you become a a Christian. There ought to be a difference in the life that we live. And that difference, he says, is obedience. That difference is putting aside those evil desires. And that difference, he says, is holiness. 15 and 16, he says, just as he who called you is holy So be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. That's what God says. God is the one who is holy. He is the one who is perfect moral purity. No one can be holy in the sense that God is. But He says, I'm holy. I'm your Father. I want you to be holy too. And so, when He saves us, when He justifies us, when we first come to Christ, He declares us holy. And so we're holy because God says we're holy. But then from that point on, all through our life, He is sanctifying us. He is making us holy. And we're in this process of becoming holy, of becoming like God. Now this morning I want to share with you the secret of holiness. The secret of holiness. Because we all struggle with this. You know, we, 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 we read this and we say, just like when I asked you Do you ever think of yourself as holy. And we don't. Because we struggle with, with life. But this one I'm going to share with you, the secret of holiness. And, and it is not trying harder to be holy. And that's where we mess up sometimes. We just try harder and harder to be holy. And when we just try harder to be holy, then that doesn't work. And we just realize how unholy we are. But the secret is three things. The first one is remember that Jesus saved you. The second one is remember why Jesus saved you. And the third one is remember how Jesus saved you. Now, I really want you all to remember these things, so uh, this is the, the main point of the message today. So, uh, why don't I get you to say these things? Uh, we'll start over here, and you say the first one, and then you say the second one, and you say the third one. Can you do that? All right. Are you ready? Here's the secret to holiness. All right, now, that, w- that was okay, but... If you do it like that, by the time I get to the balcony, it's just going to be dead. So I, I want you to, you know, with, with some excitement, you know, we were just singing all these songs. What if Brian was up here and he's leading you and you're saying, remember that Jesus saved you. Yeah, no, that's not it. All right. Are you ready now? Ready? Go. Remember that, Jesus saved you. that is so good. And that's the secret to holiness. So let's start with the first one. All right. And the fact that Jesus saved you means that you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So you remember that Jesus saved you, and as a result of that, you are a new creation. You're new. Why do we struggle with sin after we trust Jesus? Well, we struggle with sin because we still got the old nature within us, right? I mean, that's that's a reality of life. You've got this old nature, and you're born with that. And Jesus saves you, but you still got this old nature in you. That's the bad news. The good news is that once you trust Jesus as your Savior, He comes to live within you. The Holy Spirit be- begins to dwell within you, and you've got this new nature too. So you've got the old nature, and you've got the new nature. We used to have only the old nature, and that was bad. That was real bad. Do you remember that, how bad that was? I remember that. When all I had was the old nature, if I think my life is pitiful now, all I had to do is remember back when all I had was the old nature. That was terrible. But now I have the new nature, too, and, and that changes everything. There's now a part of me that wants to be obedient to God. There's a part of me that desires holiness. There's a part of me that wants to be like Jesus. That didn't used to be the case, but now that is in me. Now, Paul talks about this this old self and the new self in Ephesians. If you want to look there, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And he tells us that these two natures are now waging a battle within us. And one wants holiness, and the other one wants nothing to do with holiness. Do you ever feel that? You've got these two natures within you, your old nature. And your new nature, thank God we've got that new nature if we've been saved, if we've trusted Jesus. But look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off, you hear that? To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on The new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and, what's that word? Holiness. Holiness. And so, Paul tells us to put off the old self with all of its deceitful desires and to put on the new self that just wants righteousness and holiness. So he says, put off one thing and put on the other thing. And and he uses this metaphor of changing clothes. Put off and put on like you would uh, put off uh, your your old work clothes and put on your new clothes. Sunday clothes. You know, to put off and to put on. Uh, Did did you know that in the early church, new believers, when, when they were baptized, they would put on new clothes to be baptized in as a symbol of this, of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. But Paul's language implies more than just changing clothes. He's talking about getting a new wardrobe. He's talking about a brand new wardrobe. He's not just talking about, well, put off this old coat and put on a new one. He's saying, get rid of all that. Put off that, that old clothes look you got, that, uh, what, 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s, or whatever that old stuff is. Get rid of that and put on the new stuff, the new stuff. Now, in, in my closet, there are a lot of clothes. And, and there are some clothes that I wear on Sundays. There's some clothes that I wear during the week. There are some clothes that I wear when I'm relaxing around the house. And there are some clothes that I wear when I'm out working in the yard. You know, those that you don't bring in and put in the hamper, but she says leave them in the garage, you know. Those clothes, okay. you got all these different clothes. But, but now, you may not believe this, but there are some other clothes in my closet. There are some clothes that don't fit. But sometimes I reach back into my closet, and I come out, and I put on something like that, and then Donna Kaye has to sweetly remind me that I can't wear that anymore. You know know you're wearing the wrong thing when you walk out, and you're all dressed for the day, and your wife says, is that what you're wearing? (laughs) Obviously not, Right? Now, in our garage, there are some other clothes. There are some bags of clothes. And Donna Kay and I have put those out there because they no longer fit, and and we have decided that we're going to give them away. And so someday soon, I'll put those in the back of my car, and I'll drive over to Goodwill, and I'll leave them. They'll be gone. But Now, let me ask you this question. What's the difference between those clothes in the back of my closet and those clothes in my garage? Well, there's no difference at all. They don't fit. I ought not be wearing them. But for some reason, I have not reached the point yet of being willing to give up those clothes in the back of my closet. Some, somehow I feel like, you know, maybe they will fit someday. Or, or, you know, they, they just feel good. They look good. I like them. They bring back memories. They're in lots of these family pictures, you know. There I am in that. You know, I like that. I don't want to give it up. They're part of my life. And so they're still in the back of my closet. But, you know, they don't belong there. They belong in my garage in the pile to be given away. I need to get rid of them, don't I? Think what we could do with that space in the closet if I did that. You know, it's the same way with our behaviors and attitudes when we become Christians. Some of them we put off pretty quickly. But others we keep back in the back of the closet just in case, just in case we need them someday. They don't belong there. They don't fit anymore. We need to be be rid of them, we need to get, get them out of our life, but somehow we just don't let them. And Paul's telling us this, in this passage, he's telling us get rid of those things that we wouldn't be called dead in, we don't want people to see us in, get rid of those things, and, and, and put on the uh, nice clothes that God gave us on our born again birthday, that's what we ought to be wearing. So the first secret of holiness is remembering that Jesus saved you. You are now a new creation with a new nature that is destined. Now, now do you hear this? Destined to become like Jesus. Did you know that? John said in 1 John 3, 2, he said, When we see Jesus, we will finally be like him. When he appears, we will finally be like him. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are destined for holiness. You're destined to become like Jesus. That is God's plan for you. And what God has begun in you will be completed by Him. It is inevitable. You will be holy. So remember that you are saved. Remember that Jesus saved you. But there's something else that you need to remember. What's that? Okay. But there's something else. So we need to remember, what's that? That's exactly right. And He saved you to give you freedom. Romans chapter 6, verse 18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You know, Jesus saved you in order to set you free from slavery to sin and slavery to Satan, slavery to your own evil desires. That's why He saved you. He didn't save you just to get a free pass into heaven and good luck for the rest of your life here on earth. No, he saved you because he saw that you were enslaved by sin. And he knew that was terrible for you. He wanted you out of it. So he saved you to free you from sin. Some people are hesitant, in fact, to get saved for this very reason. Because there are some things that they have in their life they don't want to give up. Some of you may have struggled with that. Some of you may be struggling with that right now. You say, well, you know, I could trust Jesus. But I know that means I'd have to give up this or that and you know, those are some of my favorite things. I don't want to do that. Well, there's some people that they get saved and they don't give up those things. That's because they don't really understand the true nature of sin. Sin is not something good and wonderful that God just wants to beat out of you and make you give up. That's not sin. Sin is something that's terrible. Sin, sin is something that's bad for us and it's something that God wants us to be free from. The key is to see sin as God sees it. You yeah, our tendency is, is to uh, overvalue sin. We, we magnify it. We, we think it's great. You know, we, we see the positive aspects of it. We, we see the pleasure for a season that sin brings. And we don't see the eternal damnation that it brings. We, we ignore that side of it. We see sin as something that makes us feel good and feel happy. God sees it as something that keeps us from experiencing true joy in Him. We see sin as something good, but God sees it as it is, as bad. Is harmful, is hurtful, is deadly. And when we start seeing sin like that, then we're not going to want any part of it, are we? So the motivation of getting rid of sin in our lives needs to be that we realize how terrible it is, and we want to escape from it. Because as long as we see sin as something good that that we're being forced to give up, then we'll never be done with sin. When we're tempted to sinful behavior negative emotions or uh, harmful habits our response should not be oh i guess i better not do this i shouldn't do this our response should be i don't have to do this i don't have to do this anymore jesus saved me so i could be free from this Uh, when, when we're tempted to worry we shouldn't say oh i shouldn't worry i know i shouldn't worry we should i don't have to worry I don't have to worry about this. God's in control. When we're tempted to to be angry or bitter, we should not say, I shouldn't be angry and bitter, but I really like it. No, we should say, I don't have to be angry or bitter anymore. I don't have to have this in my life because Jesus saved me to free me from this. Uh, We we shouldn't, shouldn't say, oh man, I should not lust. We should say, I don't have to lust. God is good. He gives me everything that I need. I don't have to covet. I don't have to be envious. I don't have to do all that because Jesus saved me to free me from all of that. I shouldn't do this. That's legalism. I don't have to do this. That's freedom. That's freedom. An extreme example, you know, would, would be somebody who's addicted to drugs. You know, some, some illegal drug. And, and, and we, we know what that looks like. Some of us have experienced that or seen other people involved in it you've all seen it on tv and movies you know what that means to be addicted to drugs and you just can't wait to get another fix now we look at somebody like that and we don't say oh man i wish i could be like that do we we are just so thankful that we are free from that but that's it's the same thing with anything that's wrong in our lives whether, whether it's um uh bitterness you know, bitterness, we, we, just, we just can't get enough of bitterness. We just go over and over everything that person did and, and how terrible they are. And boy, if we ever had the chance, here's what we would say. And we rehearse it in our mind, and we just wake up wanting to be bitter again, don't we? I don't have to be bitter anymore. Worry. You go to sleep worrying. You wake up worrying. You don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You don't have to worry anymore if you trusted Jesus as your Savior. It's not that, oh, I shouldn't worry. I know it's wrong and I hate myself for worrying. Now you're getting into a whole different area of problems. I don't have to worry anymore. You could apply this to any sinful behavior or any negative um, attitude, any harmful habit. Instead of saying, oh, I really need to quit that, I have to quit that, I ought to quit that, just tell yourself, I don't have to do that anymore. You know, we spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time talking to ourselves. We need to start talking to ourselves and remind ourselves of these truths that I'm sharing with you today. Because if we will remember these truths, if we'll remember that Jesus died so that we could be free from sin, then we don't have to indulge in all that anymore. Now how do you know if you've really repented of your sin? Well repent means to turn away from your sin. The Bible tells us that we'll confess our sin that then God will forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So you know you've repented of your sin when you've been cleansed of it. If you're still dabbling in it you've not repented of it have you? You've noticed it Maybe you've confessed it. Maybe you said it's wrong, but you've not repented of it because repenting means you turn away from it, you walk away from it, and it's no longer part of your life. And God does that. It's not that, oh, man, I'm just not strong enough to repent. God is the one who gives you that grace as soon as you're ready. So you need to remember that Jesus saved you, and you need to remember why Jesus saved you, but there's one more thing that you need to remember. That's exactly right. And he saved you through repentance, through faith and commitment. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, even it is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. Do you remember when you first became a Christian, those of you here who have trusted Jesus as your Savior? Was it because you finally got it figured out, and you finally were able to quit all that sinning, and, and you, you were just finally good enough, and Jesus said, oh, you're great, now come on in. Is that how it happened? No, of course not. Of course not. The Bible tells us that we are saved by faith in Jesus, by sa- saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It's nothing about what we do. We cannot earn our way into His good graces, but God's wonderful grace is poured down freely upon those of us who do not deserve it. Now, here's where a lot of people get confused about the Christian life. They think that uh, they get into it by faith, but once you get into it, then it is up to us to live the Christian life. But the Bible tells us that we live the Christian life the very same way that we began the Christian life, by faith in Jesus. Romans 1, 17 says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness from God. Did you hear that? A righteousness that is by faith. From first to last. This righteousness from God is by faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Colossians 2, 6 says, So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, which was by faith, right? Continue to live in him. And Galatians 2, 2 through 3 says, Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard? It was by believing, wasn't it? Well, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, after beginning by trusting, by faith? Now are you trying to attain your goal by human effort? No. The Christian life, as we continue in the Christian life, is the same way as we begin the Christian life. It is by faith. Now here's the truth of the matter. You become a Christian by repenting of your sin, placing your faith in Jesus, and committing to Him as the Lord of your life. And you live the Christian life by continuing to repent of sin. Trusting Jesus and committing yourself to Him. That's how you do it. That's how Jesus saved you. And that's how you continue to live. Justification. When God declares you holy, that is God's grace gift to you. And it comes to you as you repent of sin. And trust Jesus as your Savior, believing that He died on the cross to pay for your sin and rose from the dead to give you eternal life. And then commit yourself to Him as the Lord of your life. You know, let's say this represents sin. This is all the um, wrong behaviors, all the negative emotions and attitudes, all the harmful habits that, that hurt our life, that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be. And when, when God looked down and saw us, He found us like this. He found us like this. Enmeshed in that. He wanted to save us. And He made A way for us to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in order to receive God's grace, what did we have to do? We had to repent of our sin. Okay, I repented of my sin. We had to place our faith in Jesus, believing that when He died on the cross, He paid for all of our sin. When He rose from the dead, He gave us eternal life. So we place our faith in Jesus and committed to Him as the Lord of our life to live for Him. So now what do we do when suddenly we find ourselves tempted by a, a sin and, and we fall into it, even though we're already saved? Well, we, we repent of our sin, we trust Jesus, and we follow Him and then when we start worrying about something and we realize you know worry shows that we're not really placing our faith in God and trusting him then what do we do we we repent of our sin we trust Jesus and we follow him and so he takes all of our sin on himself and he gives us his righteousness and so the idea is that we ought not just keep going back here and saying oops I'm sorry I repent, I trust, I'll follow now, but not for long, because I like that, oops, sorry, repent, trust, follow, no, that's not it, I'm not saying you're going to live a sinless life, but I tell you what, you ought to be getting sick of that, so that when you see it, you say, no, I'm following Jesus, I see it. I'm following Jesus. Okay, but I don't want that. I messed up. I repent of it. I trust Jesus. I'm following him. He's the Lord of my life. He's the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of my life. He's the Lord of my life. you see what's going on here? It's the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus. When I remember what he has done for me, how he died on the cross to pay for my sin, how he rose from the dead, that, that means that I want to live for him. He died for me. I want to live for him. It's not a list that I found in the Bible that tells me I shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that. Those lists are there. I'm thankful God put those lists in There. Not because I'm going to follow them out of legalism and do a checklist and say, okay, I've got it. But because they show me and they remind me these are the things my old natures want me to do but my new nature doesn't want me to do. My new nature wants me to do these things over here. Thank you for putting that in the Bible, Father. That helps me to see where I'm going wrong because my goal, my desire is to live a holy life. I want to live a life pleasing to you, not one that is pleasing to my old nature now you may wonder sometimes why do all these circumstances keep coming up and make living the christian life so difficult why am i constantly being tempted to do something that is sin why why are there so many difficult people in my life huh Why is that? You know, if if, if I didn't have all these temptations, didn't have all these difficult people, why do I have all these problems that that make it hard for me to stop worrying and and feeling anxious? If I didn't have all those temptations, all those problems, all those people, I'd be okay. Why are they there? Let me tell you why they're there. You are on a training program. God is training you for godliness and holiness. That's why those things are there. So when you see this temptation to sin, don't say, oh, there it is again. I guess I'll have to sin. What you need to say is, look, it's another test. I'm being tempted to sin. But I don't have to. I don't have to do that. I've been saved. I'm free from sin. I don't have to do that. Oh, I'm worried. No, I'm not worried. I don't have to worry. This problem came my way. Here's somebody who's unlovable. I'm going to love them. This is all part of God's training program for you to conform you to the image of His Son. Are you in or out? All right, then let's be in. And when those things come our way, let's not, oh, I wish life wasn't like, this is the way life is. And it's it's this the way it's going to be all through your life. This is the sanctification process. This is God making you holy. This is Him working in your life. So when all those things go wrong that cause you to to be tempted to sin or to have a negative emotion or attitude towards somebody or or to start some kind of a, a harmful habit instead of a good habit, you need to recognize God's hand is in that. He's training you for holiness. He's training you for holiness. Well, maybe this morning God has spoken to you about something in your life some behavior, some attitude, some habit, I don't know. But if God has been speaking to you, then this would be a good time just to kneel before Him and to say, okay, I remember that Jesus saved me. I remember why Jesus saved me. I remember how Jesus saved me. I just want to kneel right here before you, Father, and I want to acknowledge that. And I want to acknowledge that these things going wrong in my life, whether it's uh, somebody being mean to me or whether it's a diagnosis of cancer. All these things in my life, they are an opportunity for me now to be trained in holiness, to learn what it means to be like Jesus. And I just want to acknowledge that before you, Father. And I just want to give myself to you again and, 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 and say that I am turning away from my sin. I am trusting Jesus completely no matter what. And I am committing myself to follow him wherever this life may take me. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior. Let me tell you, that's what you've got to do. Because without Jesus, all you've got is that old nature. And I lived too many years with only the old nature, and I know what it's like. And you may be trying as hard as you can to be a good person anyway, but I tell you what, you don't need to just try hard. You need to get rid of that old nature. You need to have the new nature that God gives to you when you trust Jesus as your Savior. There's going to be some heritage leadership up here at the front. We're going to start singing here. And, and, and while we're singing, if you want to come and talk to one of the leaders of Heritage Church and just say, this is what's going on in my life, or I need Jesus as my Savior, or would you pray with me? They'll be here. Maybe you want to just turn to somebody near you and ask them to pray for you. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray, what is it God's telling you to do? That's what you need to do. Let's stand together. Father, we just thank you so much that Jesus died to save us to free us from our sin, to make us a new creation with a new nature so that we could live this life and that we could face the challenges of life through faith in Jesus and committed commitment to follow Him as our Lord. I pray for each person here today that you would just touch each heart and lead us to make the new and fresh commitments to you that you want us to make today. And as we leave here today and, and something hits us this afternoon, that you would just help us to see that as part of our training in godliness that you are doing in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You come now. As God bless you.